What's up, party people? Thanks for downloading our podcast. You can check out more of our episodes at thisamericanhorrorstory.com or on iTunes. Hello, everybody, and welcome this evening to This American Horror Story Podcast, an unofficial podcast about the FX hit show, American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with... Chris Husted, co-host. What's up, everyone? What's going on, man? It is late at night tonight, and we are uh, burning on that high coming off of that episode, because, wow, some shit went down. And I cannot wait to talk about it. Um, before we get into it, of course, as always, what are you drinking this evening? Hmm. I, I, I'm, uh, drinking some, uh, champagne tonight, actually, a mimosa. Oh, classy. It was, it was all that was left in my fridge. Sorry, peeps. I, well, that's, at least, that's classier than what I've got going on, because I'm still doing bourbon and cider, but I'm pretty sure my cider's expired, so there's a little bit of a weird fermented taste in there. I probably shouldn't be wasting nice whiskey on, um... Bad cider, but uh, when it's what you have, it's what you have. So it's what you do. It's what you do. And I think that um, Lana would agree with us. When it's what you have, you got to use it. And we will talk more about that in gruesome detail as oh, we yeah. continue. So whoa, let's go ahead and just say. I mean, first impressions of this episode. What can you tell me? I would say wow, very um, graphic, very abrasive in moments and very disturbing very graphic um and uh, i don't know there was a lot going on in this quite a bit of blood again and um it was a disturbing it it was a very disturbing episode in a good i mean in a bad way but also in a good way right uh no i think you're right i think that it like it kind of shakes you a little bit, which is a, like it accomplishes what it's trying to do, which I think is you know impressive. Um, anyway, so this episode is titled "Coat Hanger." I think we kind of know what uh, was going to happen here in the first place. Are you? What are you eating? Top ramen? Yeah, I'm eating top ramen. Sorry, you can't see this, listeners, but I'm eating some top ramen. I'm making Tyler feel uncomfortable. Kind of looks like a coat hanger. Ew. Ew. <laughs> that's actually really gross. I'm sorry. I apologize. That's, Too far. That's not, that's not funny. That's not funny. Uh, I, I don't <laughs> want to think about coat hangers anymore, but I guess we have no choice. But I want to start from the beginning here. Wait, have a sip real quick so we can deal with this episode. Have a sip. Cheers. Okay. Clink. Clink. Okay. Let's talk about our buddy Johnny Morgan, a.k.a. Dylan McDermott, who we had kind of re- figured out was going to be Bloody Face Jr. Right. Um, as, uh, you know, we had pulled from his voice in that last couple of episodes, and he had actually revealed himself on on Twitter. Right. Um, well, tell me what you thought about this scene. And okay, what happened. So, tell me what happened. So, we have... it's. It, I thought it was kind of interesting that they chose to open on him, especially because we hadn't actually seen him as, as not Bloody Face before. Um, we're back in present day... And he's in a psychiatrist's office, but it's not like an actual 
it's not like a Threadson level psychiatrist where it's someone who actually deals with criminally insane people or anything like that. We're talking about a psychiatrist who like works with people who are overweight trying to like get them to be thinner or something like that. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Perhaps it's like, like Dr. Harmon. Yeah. I think yeah, it was <laughs> more of like a superficial therapist kind of. Um but like you want to quit smoking. Exactly. I think that's even one of the things that she said is like, okay, you're here to quit smoking at the beginning. But he says, no, I'm here because what you do is curb compulsions. And so what she assumes is that he's talking about masturbation, which I thought was also kind of funny. And actually, he seems a little bit offended by when she even kind of implies that. Like, oh, killing people and taking their skin off is so much more classy than masturbation. Right. Um, he has, what, no, what, he, what he, has, he has standards, okay? Yeah. <laughs> But so he kind of goes on this whole t- story about being in foster care again, which uh, parallels, you know, original bloody face Threadson. Right. And um, basically, he talks about how he would have these compulsions, and then when he acted upon them, he was an outcast. Well, come to find out the compulsions originally was he was skinning cats. And then he kind of implies that he was moving on to skinning people. And I don't think he actually comes out right and says it yet. But you do get a, fl- a cut scene to him basically taking the flesh off of Adam Levine's wife, who we'd seen back there. So, we know, A, that really? he, he is killing people. And B, okay, and then obviously the big reveal that we kind of saw coming, and we kept, we predicted this ahead of time, is, bum bum bum, he is the son of Bloody Face. He traced his roots. He did his genealogy homework and traced his roots and found out he is the son of Bloody Face. But... He says, I am, my last name is not Morgan, it is Threadson. I am the son of Bloody Face. Now, let's think for a minute here. That might not seem like such a big deal, you know, he found out he was Bloody Face or whatever. But what that means, that reveals something about back in the 60s, because that reveals that Threadson does not get off clean and cl- clean and free. You know, it, it reveals that Threadson is going to get caught as Bloody Face at some exactly. point. Which right, I think is right. a huge. I think that's a huge thing to note. And like, you, if you don't think about it, you're not going to pick up on it. But that means that I, I assume in this season we're going to see Threadson come to justice. You know, right? As Would he you. should, as a viewer, we want that to happen. But yes, it, that absolutely. Um, we, we can infer from that, from his quote on that, that he is going to be brought to justice. Right, because it's a matter of public record then that Threadson is bloody face. So that's important to know, and it's important to note that, yes, this is his son, and we are at least assuming, and it seems like we have good reason to assume now, that he is the son of Lana and Threadson. But we'll talk more about that as the episode goes on. One thing I want to talk to you about is the person who's playing the psychiatrist is actually uh, a character, well, an actress, from the horror classic Silence of the Lambs. One of the most brilliant tell horror us. thriller films ever. So tell so her name is um oh I had it pulled up right here. Let me look it up one more time. Sorry folks. Uh let's see. Her name is Brooke Smith and she played the Senator's daughter Catherine Martin in Silence of the Lambs. Now, Chris, tell me so for people who haven't seen Silence of the Lambs or need a bit of a refresher, can you tell us what her role was a little bit? Basically she's in the well where where uh uh our Buffalo Bill, yes, keep, keeps her in there, and has has. She's one of those people that like put the lotion on, put the lotion on, and she also keep putting lotion on. 
So she, so basically, he, she, the, her skin is perfect, so he can skin her and have her skin. Exactly. And what happens to her as the movie goes on? Well, she dies. Okay. And so, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what in your mind is the significance? Is this just Brad, or you know, um, Ryan Murphy making an homage to Silence of the Lambs by having this actress, or do you think that there's a deeper function? Hmm. The only thing I can say is that she gets killed later again. Like she gets killed later. Right by... at the end, we know she dies. Right. Right. So she gets killed. So I guess that's just like I don't know. I would Another guess an homage. homage. I would guess an homage at this point because we don't really get to know too much of her, and I'm kind of sad because that could have been a cool. As we talked about earlier, it was the Melfi, possibly, <laughs> which if you uh, listeners know. Um, the Sopranos, like it could have been the Melfi for that for for the the Bloody Face Junior, absolutely. Uh, but but she's gone immediately. So I don't I don't know. I, I'm kind of disappointed that went that went away so quickly. But I don't know. I, I really don't know the significance. It it kind of makes me it, it, it's a little disappointing. But maybe there's a bigger picture. I I can't I, see it yet though. I agree. I thought we could have gone deeper. I would have thought that those conversations could have been more interesting because uh, it could have been an interesting parallel to kind of the conversations that maybe, uh, yeah, to, uh, as an homage to shows like The Sopranos, but also like even the initial conversations between Threads and, and Kit, but actually to actually see someone really digging into the mind of, of Bloody Face. And maybe, I mean, I think it'd be an interesting parallel to even compare what he, and I, we can do that a little bit, compare what he had to say to what Threadson was saying when he was kind of telling his story to Lana. And you already right. see the parallels between the two of them, like both were orphans. And I guess we don't really know if um, if Dylan McDermott has mommy issues the same way. He appears to more have daddy issues because he makes a comment about how, like, I'll never live up to my dad because he was a medical, you know, he was an actual doctor and he thinks it's too late for me to go to medical school. So interestingly, he seems to have daddy issues. So I, I'm, I think this will be, right, I don't know what more they can do his predecessor him. was. Right. I'm not really sure what they're going to do with him if he keeps killing people. If, uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what he get, what happens to him from there on out in the modern day. But it's interesting to know that he is the offspring. Um, Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, this episode definitely was very defined between, I feel like, two storylines. One was the religion storyline, and one was the alien storyline, which exactly. we're going to get into right now, I'm, I'm guessing. Um, well, we're starting with... Just the uh, um, the basic fact where basically Eunice tells Lana she's pregnant. Um, you know, she says you're cured of your sexual perversion, but you're pregnant with uh, Threatsen's baby. Yeah. Which, I, I guess, I mean, Eunice being a demon can just know. <laughs> we know that she just has, like, baby reading powers, so I, I'm assuming that's how she knows for sure it's Threatsen's baby. But Home I also... girl's the best OBGYN ever. <laughs> but she also makes this comment about how uh, she... she if it, it's something about, like... My great aunt would advise you to drink a Drano margarita. And <laughs> she's basically saying, like, to have a miscarriage. I just thought that was so dark, but also, like, she's kind of making a joke. Hella funny. Yeah, so, I mean. So morbid, so morbid, but pretty pretty funny. She's got, that demon's got a sense of humor, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, like we said, she's like the sassy teenager, right? Right. Demon. And, but in this scene, like, um, 
Lana says something about how like the rape was a hallucination. Like obviously she doesn't really believe that, but she says that to Eunice. I didn't quite understand why she was didn't want Eunice to still think she was being raped. Um, I don't know. I mean, if she just wanted it, to. It could be know. some 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 sort of like an embarrassment or don't think of me this way type thing. I don't know, but yeah. Well, and then she infers like, and then Lana basically says she's going to you know get rid of the baby and exactly. um, Eunice says. Well, we don't want to have to restrain you. But the way she kind of said that, it was almost as if she had known Lana had been restrained before. And I wonder if it's that omniscient demon. I, I don't know how far this demon's knowledge goes. But it was almost as if she knew details about how Lana was restrained in Threads in Basement. That's one um, of the questions we've always had about what, what, how, how far do these powers of uh, the demonets and Mary Eunice, how, how far does it go? Exactly. Clovis, she knows some things, but she doesn't know certain things. Like she knew that Threadson was bloody face, but she didn't know maybe that Lana was kept in uh, Threadson's lair or whatever. Like there, 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 there's a few holes there that we we really don't know how far her power goes. And I think that's something we'll find out eventually. But it is. I mean, it's something that's kind of keeping us on our toes because we don't really know I mean, how big I, her power is. Exactly. Um, anyway, so uh, now I want to talk a little bit about the Monsignor because wow, me. this guy, yeah, it, it, we learned a lot, and we learned, you know, obviously the faith, but well, so you know, he first enters the episode when we first see Sister Jude strapped down, and we kind of we kind of had it hinted at this last episode, but we now you know in the promos, but now we know she's a patient. They basically framed her for the murder of Frank, your favorite buddy, my boy. Um, and uh, Ian McShane, Santa Claus, lived, even despite his split throat, and basically is saying that Sister Jude attacked him. And so they're trying to frame Sister Jude for this. And even Mother Superior turns against her and is testifying and saying that, oh, she came to me and said that Arden was a Nazi and that the, you know, um, claiming all these conspiracy theories and stuff like that. So even Mother Superior turned against her. So Jude has no friends. She's hit rock bottom at this point. And the way she's just begging to the Monsignor, it really kind of... Reveals that side. Which to um, me, th- this is all, basically, this is all Ryan Murphy and Brad Falchuk making that character earn her way to vengeance. Don't you think this? I, I, you know, I kind of feel like week to week you just feel like Jude can't hit rock bottom any more than she has. And we kind of have felt like that about Lana a couple weeks ago too. Like, right. And they been- both keep going lower. So you're just hoping someone's going to bounce back, and we thought Lana was going to, but we'll see what happens. Right, exactly. Um, but, you know, you see Jude won't take her pills, she's just begging the Monsignor for something, and he just breaks her heart by bringing in Santa, and then having him say to her, I forgive you, and it's just like, that just like kills her spirit right there. And I think Such it, bullshit. And I think that's what kind of like finally um, splits her, like breaks this fantasy that she had about the Monsignor as some kind of savior. So that was like her last string of, and I think she, that had already kind of been fading for a while. But like she still had, obviously she was begging him, so she still had some hope left. But I think that was kind of like, okay, this guy has never loved me. He's kind of, you know, and that he's was ambitious. That. He he he's on his own mission. He wants to be the American guy. To but at the Catholic, Catholicism. Right, but at the same time, we see the scene where Jude's stuff has been is being packed up, and he sees the red lingerie, and it's like he pulls it out, and it's almost like I almost thought he was going to sniff it for a second. He was, being oh, weird. <laughs> but but then Eunice walks in, but it's like 
you kind of get the feeling that he knows that that was meant for him, and he feels a little bit sentimental about it still. Like, it, it, he says something to Eunice about, you know, we had a dream together. And so I think he really, I think at one point he really did care for Jude, but it, in the end he cares about himself more, obviously, enough to say. Right. So he's it's almost like he's... guy. So I think it's like he feels bad for Jude, and maybe that's why, like, he felt... With with Santa, he was kind of like, well, maybe I can make up for what I did to Jude by saving this guy. Uh, and we know how that ended. But anyway, um, Eunice basically comes in and says that she'll, uh, she wants to help him save souls all the way to Rome or something like that. So I don't know if J- where – or sorry, Eunice comes in and says that. So we don't know uh, what Eunice is – I mean, obviously, her motives are to get the Monsignor on her side, but she's looking at the top. She's going to take down the Pope. Right. This demon is going all the way to the all the way to, to the, the Vatican. Yeah. Uh, so Monsignor, just a, a very interesting, you know, role he has in this episode. Um, but so on the side, we kind of have, like you said, this alien plot. We have Doctor Arden retracing. His footsteps down in the cave, and he sees these alien footprints like fossilized in this clay. And so he finally, he finally believes Kit. And right it's after kinda, Grace disappeared, right? Right, and it's kind of interesting because in a little, in a way, they kind of team up a little bit in this episode. I mean, I wrote that a, down. Team Kit and Arden, WTF? No, I mean not in a real friendly way. Obviously, Arden pretty much said, "I'm going to do this to you, whether you like it or not." But Kit was yeah. at least willing. So. Um, I was kind of pissed about this. What did you think? I was like, God damn it. Like, I wanted, I, I was I was all on board with the Lana uh, Kit team. And, right. and as we learned from last episode, we know that Arden is not to be trusted because he has his own mission that he's working on. Regardless of it. And I, I still don't think it's with um, uh, Eunice. I think he's just hitching his wagon to Eunice for the meantime because he knows that's the one to be safe with at the moment. Arden's going to jump on the bandwagon to whichever, you know, whichever the wind blows, he's going to find a way to get his ass out of there. Maybe if it's the aliens. With the aliens, he's going to be with the aliens, you know? Well, <laughs> apparently he's obsessed with them, and now he's, very, as we learned in this episode, he's fixated on that. That's the aliens is who he's trying to get to, which is crazy. And you kind of got a hint of that when he first pulled that chip out of Kit earlier, which, speaking of which, we had a a fan mail um, from Curtis asking the same question that we've been wondering for a while. What the hell ever happened to that chip? Because that was just kind of dismissed. It I mean, happened I guess, and we weren't igno- we, it, it wasn't acknowledged since then. We, I mean, maybe we'll find out what happened to it. But yeah, it feels like it's just been kind of dismissed since then. Um, but yeah, definitely obsessed with... Um, Obsessed with the aliens now, but kind of leading so leading up to that, here's here's just a little bit of a couple things I want to talk about. Um, the scene we have between Lana and Threadson, right, where she is showing him like she gives him the water and she's like basically showing him the child like the the papers that show that she's pregnant, you know, and like. And then tells him that she's going to that she's going to abort it. Basically, it's like the ultimate damage she can do to him, or whatever you know. And I almost thought that for a minute she was going to do it in front of him. That that was going to be her revenge. And I was going to be like, okay, Lana, that's a little bit sick and twisted. I know that you're upset, but that seemed like a little much. But we learned that she actually already did it. Not only that, we see a scene in which she's doing it. I thought that was disturbing as hell. What did you think? So graphic, very graphic. When I that that yeah, I mean. 
especially in this day and age, that's one of those moments where we all, you know, the, the argument, especially politically, about who has the right to say what women can do with their bodies. You know, essentially, it's women who should be able to decide for women what they can do. This was a very disturbing and graphic and, uh, you know, morbid moment for a lot of people. I don't know. For me, it was, I, I just, it was, it was too much for me to handle because that's not my place to say anything. I agree. I think this is a sensitive issue, obviously, in modern day, let alone, you know, looking back to these antiquated in methods like that. Right. And so, I mean, with kind of all, with, on such a loaded topic, it just made it, there's so much gravity to that scene, you know, just because there's so much history and backstory to it, it, it made it that much more uh, offensive, like, I don't know, not, not offensive, it, but it hit home. It was real. It, it definitely was. And it was, it was, you know, it, it shakes you a little bit. Um, but so she, oh, and that, that worked because we care about her. Yeah, exactly. Um, but she basically, during this scene, she ca- she talks, threads him, basically says he's going to change and be in that, like be a normal father or something like that, which I can't, that would have been interesting. That would have been quite the interesting, um, spinoff. We could have done next season where Threadson's just a normal dad and Landa's mom and they have a kid. But there, yeah, bullshit. Bullshit he's going to change. Um, but she, basically Landa's able to trick him into getting a confession where he says really creepy stuff about the people he killed, like, her skin was fuzzy like a peach. Right, I remember that line. And then he tries to hit Lana hard by saying, Wendy never loved you or whatever. But pop up, up, kid has the recording right there on his tape player. So what you gonna do, Threadson? Um, but he, it's like, Kit can't find a place to hide the tape. So he goes and hides it underneath the bathtub. And that's where Arden finds him. And the way, I mean, the way Arden kind of looks at, over at the bathtub, you kind of think he knows something's there so i wonder how long that tape's actually going to stay there i wonder i mean we haven't really seen eunice or arden like the other bad guys basically align with threadson yet but i wonder if that's i mean i can only assume that's coming because i think in the end this is going to be an ultimate battle between good and evil right we've, to some we've, degree. we've, we've uh, um posed that from the beginning right um but so arden takes Kit into his office, and they have their special occasion whiskey. And Arden basically Sounded confesses... Sounded delicious. What kind of whiskey do you think it was? Was uh, it well, bourbon? Think... Was it bourbon? Probably not. Well, it was, what do you say, 16-year single malt. So, so I mean, it sounds classy. It sounds like classy stuff. Bourbon's but Kit, classy. But, but Kit chugged his, so I wonder if Arden was pissed about that. Because well, he, was ch- he chugged it after he told him he was going to die. that's true i think he probably had a right to do it so arden admits to you know knowing about the aliens he tells them about grace's body disappearing and he basically comes up with this theory about how uh all these women are getting abducted after kit has sex with them so basically it's it's it's, it's, kit's fault (laughs) for, for sexing people up and um he thinks the aliens are experimenting with eugenics now right. I wrote down that too. Eugenics. Define eugenics. What's happening with eugenics, Tyler? So eugenics is like basically trying to make up the pure the pure race. It's like distilling the ideal traits within different people. So it's like you know what the Nazis Very were trying Holocaust. to do. What the Nazis were trying to do by ridding the world of 
Untermensch, which was like under what they considered underlings, people, you know, that would be Jewish people, gay people, handicapped people. Um, Anyone pe- who wasn't white phys- in German, basically. Oh, you're tall and blonde. They basically wanted to create the perfect human race. And so Arden thinks that that's what the aliens are doing. I don't know if that's really what they're doing or if that's just his the, his inner Nazi talking. Um, I think to some degree he kind of admires them, honestly. I well, think he wants... Hence, he thinks uh, Kit fits that demographic, right? I, well, I mean, I guess he is blonde. I guess we don't know how tall he is. He doesn't look. I mean, James Cromwell is crazy tall, so he's not as tall as right. him. But but Kit fits that like he looks boy, he, you know he looks blonde, German blue eyed yeah. guy, right? That's that's true. That's true. I didn't even think about that. So he kind of fits the the common the at least the Nazi eugenic profile. So you wonder what these aliens are doing, and Arden decides he's going to lure in the Nazis. By bringing Kit to the brink of the death, aliens, so they have to come aliens. in. And, or sorry, the Nazis. <laughs> He's gonna lure in the aliens. Gotta by, help. Uh, there's no Nazis left. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna lure in the aliens by bringing Kit to the brink of death, and the, he thinks the aliens are gonna come save him. And he basically says, "So I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna bring you to the brink of death, whether you like it or not." And Kit's and, like, "All right, I'm down." <laughs> yeah, he's just like, "Okay, I'm cool. Anything that gets, you know, allows me to see Alma again." Um, what are you thinking about Kid at, at this point? Like, I don't know. Like last episode, we, we were starting to like him again. He was teaming up with Lana. We're feeling him. He's good. He's a great guy. And then this episode happens. What do you think? I am waiting to see. I mean, the most badass thing we've seen from Kit so far, I think, is when he hit threads him with a bedpan last episode. And other, other and, than that, and, he's and killed the zombie or the rasper, <laughs> right? Other other than that, he's kind of been a wuss, and other people just end up manipulating him, right? Uh, he, you know? that's the, you you hit the nail on the head. I think he's so easily manipulated. Uh, this episode, I I just thought I was like, man, you are just you're so gullible. You're you're down for whatever, and I I don't know. I I, I it makes me not really like. Once again, now I'm back to the side where I'm like. You know, Kate, you're making your bed and you're gonna lie in it, and this is what happened to you. I'm not feeling. Wait, the, I, I mean, what's interesting is that I the female character, the female characters in the show, are so much stronger yes. than the male characters. I mean, look at Jude and Lana. Like, look at Jude coming to Lana and being like, "I want to team up with you. I'll do whatever it takes." Or Lana, you know, taking action and threatening threats and everything. It's like these are women who are taking concrete steps to. You know, um, basically keep their fate from being sealed. But here, Kid is just like a victim of fate, pretty much. And you know, even with with the whole threads and like, oh, we need threads in for the confession. He has no plan. How, I mean, it's Lana who comes up with this plan to do the recording, right? He just right. It's I feel like it's Kit's like helpless. I don't know. He's he's a, he's been a frustrating character up until now. I know. Uh, <laughs> I really want to care for him. I really like him. I want to like him, but it's not working. I I agree. It's it's very quite the, it's um, been frustrating. Yeah. So I want to finish up this storyline because it's you know it's interesting. We have the scene where Arden's about to inject Kit. He fills his um, he fills his needle with potassium chloride, and he also has a cure. And he says, you know, I'm going to hit you hard, and if I need the cure, I have it here. I'll jumpstart your heart, but this is going to be this is going to hurt. And then he like slams it into his chest, and lo and behold, the aliens come. And Arden like starts running through random rooms. I guess he's following the light, is what I assumed he was doing. He was like following the light, 
And who does he find but a pregnant Grace, like a crazy pregnant like, Grace. Like nine months pregnant. Yeah. And uh, I think her name is Pepper. Pepper. Like the, yeah, yeah. Pepper's really back. Who we hadn't seen in a while. I don't even know if we really realized that she'd been abducted or that she was really missing. Not only that, but she seems like way more coherent than we had ever seen her before. Dude, she just sure. seemed crazy. And it's like a lot of fans have been asking, like, where the F is Pepper? Like, where's she at? And here she is back again. But she's apparently all in tune with what happened with um, uh, Grace, right? She's in tune. She's playing the midwife. Grace is about to have the baby, it looks like. And last we saw Grace, she had had her hysterectomy and her uterus was missing. So this is quite a turn of events. These aliens must be crazy good doctors or something. Um, but I guess we don't really know what's about to come out of her belly, so it'll be very interesting. <laughs> I don't know how much. I don't know. I... All right. Here's my question to you, Tyler. So we assume that the um, bloody face junior is coming out of Lana, but what the f is coming out of Grace? Then could that be? Could that, I don't know. Could that be bloody face junior too? Who is it going to be? I, I I have a feeling we're going to see some sort of alien baby thing, like alien baby hybrid thing. Um, and maybe, I mean, maybe we'll learn more about that in the present day. But it seems to me, is, I mean, I'm expecting a full-blown alien kind of thing going on where we have some monster rip out of grace and... I don't, I don't know, wreak havoc on the asylum or something like that. Like, I, I, I do not feel like it's going to be human. Well, what apparently every man here in this episode or in this TV show is mis uh is misogynistic so <laughs> he's going to hate a woman regardless and yet they and yet all <laughs> the writers the are apparently uh what's the was it would it be uh misandrist is that would it be though I, I don't know all, all everyone hates men <laughs> the writers yeah. hate men they think they're all awful people and all the women um, are, you know, feminists. Yeah, all the men are pretty shitty and weak in this. I think it's fair to say. Um, I don't think we have a single good example so far. There are um, awful men, which is a, a change in TV shows this day and age, for sure. It's true. It's true. And one thing I was going to ask you is: so, are we assuming that the aliens saved Kit? Uh, I'm. I'm guessing they will. I'm guessing they will. Uh, I mean, obviously, he's not dying, but I mean, we, we have, have four more episodes, right? So I'm, yeah, I'm Kit, Kit, Kit's not dead, but we know Arden isn't going to save him. So I'm assuming the aliens are saving him. So their yes. whole strategy worked. It'll be, I think, it'll be quite interesting to see what comes out of Grace. Right. Um. So that storyline is going on now. Let's follow our friend Lana's storyline. She steals a knife. She is going to kill Threatson now that they have the confession. But you know, she gets the knife taken away, so now she's going to kill him with a hanger. Well, she goes in only to find that he's not there anymore. Well, it turns out... Well, she see, then she runs out into the hall to find Eunice there. Eunice and, is there, yep. And she she accuses Eunice basically of releasing Threatson, which I, I'm assuming is true. So Eunice is on Threatson's side, I guess. I'm not entirely sure. But Eunice also tells Lana that she's still pregnant, that basically the abortion didn't work. She put the hand on her tummy and was like... And you hear the heartbeat there. Yeah. And, and she says, oh, it's a boy. Yeah, it's a boy. Yep. So she's having the baby, and we can only assume it's Dylan McDermott. Um, 
And that's kind of when we cut to the scene back in modern day where that woman comes in and she's like, oh, I need to talk to you. I just finished a whole bucket of chicken. That was like what, I, you know, what we were saying about how this woman is like a weight, you know, a weight, you know, a portion control therapist or something. And, and so that was kind of adding some levity to a, very, a pretty dark scene where you end up seeing that the therapist has been killed and you see Dylan McDermott covered in blood. So yep. apparently their talk did not prove very fruitful because he just killed her. But once again, our uh, good friend from Silence of the Lambs is killed by a serial killer. So Weird, it happened. That's too bad. Uh, we'll have to see what happens with Bloody Face Jr. Because that'll be interesting. And finally, um, oh, we've got Lena in the, in the common room. This is not finally. Um, and... Basically, Jude enters, and Jude kind of is no longer begging, and I think this has to do with kind of... Um, I love this scene, by the way. This is this is the scene that defined this episode. For, oh, well, there... I mean, the coat hanger was kind of crazy to me, but yeah. this was the episode, or this was the scene that really solidified who I want to make it out of the situation. Well, Jude is kind of badass again. It's like she bounced back after the whole begging the Monsignor. I think it had to do with her, like him making her or making the Santa, you know, say he forgave her or whatever. I think that like that jolted her away kind of. Right. And so she comes in, she's smoking a cigarette, which is I think supposed to signify like I'm back and I'm badass again. And you mean when she asks um, Lana for a cigarette? That, exactly. that point? Yeah. Yes. I loved it. I love that scene because... She uh, okay. I wrote down what she said. She wrote, she wrote, "God damn it, give me a cigarette. I've earned it." I God love that. It. I love it. And then she gets a cigarette, breaks the filter off, and then smokes it. I was like, oh, th- "This girl, I'm playing around." <laughs> this is her grease moment. She's gone yeah. from yeah. Sandra D to badass Sandy to, to Rizzo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she apologizes to Lana. And Lana's like, you, what you did was criminal and immoral and all this shit. And, um, and Jude is basically like, trust me, I'm going to earn your trust. So she goes over to Exactly, Dante. I wrote that down too. She, she's like, I'm going to earn your trust. And what so she, she goes do? over and she snaps Dominique, the, the, you know, the record that we've been listening to and been driving, driving into our brains in the common room here. Boom. She snaps it in half. Cracks it. What's the symbolism here? Did you have anything? I mean, what did you feel when you saw that? I, uh, my thought was she's defying the institution that she was basically vesting her life into. Mm-hmm. You know, Jude, as we've come to see, she changes her allegiance as she finds someone that she can define herself with, which initially was her band, and then it became religion. And now it's be. I think it's finally becoming herself and who she is and what she wants to define herself as. Yeah, so, which is I loved that sequence. What do you? Think? I agree. I agree with you. I think that it was symbolizing like a turn for Jude and a turn for the institution. It was like the institution is no longer going to be um, this prison, basically that I had made that I had made it in my you know faulty ways. Um, we're going to turn this place around you and me together. And so it's basically, you know, because they basically that, I mean, it, that same, that record, that that music that played every time, it was doing it to us the same way it was doing it to the patients. It's like driving you crazy with its like optimism and it's just on loop and everything like that. And she's like saying, no more of this. We're going to, we're going to fight back. 
This is kind of what I got the impression. I agree. So that was pretty badass. I am excited to see how the Lana-Jude tandem is going to play out because that's kind of what we've been hoping for for a while. Right. I wrote down Lana and Jude together. Best team ever. These girls have earned their vengeance. Like, they are the two characters that have been through Right and and still seem to yeah have control of their own fate unlike unlike our buddy Kit right who is who is our only <laughs> surviving good guy other than alien impregnated Grace right um, it's a quite it, it's a misandry which I've just looked up misandry uh, um, uh, environment here men suck in this which kind of is killing me there are no good qualities in any of these male characters. Which is rare, I know, for TV shows, because yeah. TV shows usually it's misogynistic. But in this sh- in this TV show, man, men are the worst. I'm kind of pissed. I, mean, I kind of want at least g- give me one good guy that we can root for. Yeah, we'd had hope, but everyone's failing us. And let's talk about one of the worst of the guys. Well, two of them, I guess you could say. And this is the kind of the uh, wrap of this episode. Santa, our buddy Ian McShane, is praying in the chapel, and the Monsignor comes in, and, and basically uh, Santa goes on about how he wants to be saved, and the Monsignor is saying, you know, oh, you could be my miracle. The Monsignor is just super ambitious. He's thinking about how he can leverage this to get national attention or something, and how he's going to have miracles for all these people once he's on a national level. Exactly. I think to some degree he's thinking that this is going to redeem him for what he's done to Jude, because you know that he, he's he's got to know that he's fucked Jude. You know, I mean, I don't think he believes for a second that she killed Frank or anything like that. I think he knows what he's doing. He knows what's up. He's just trying to play his character or play his cards right so he can get uh, up higher. He wants to make the U.S. the best for, well, at least make the U.S. the best place for him as far as Catholicism goes. Mm -hmm. And we see this weird kind of creepy cut of things where he, like, takes the the shackles off of Santa and he's going to baptize him in the water. And he puts Santa's head under and baptizes him. And what happens? Well, Santa does it right back to him and does not allow him to come back up. (laughs) He is... Drowned via baptism. Well, not completely drowned, but still. What do you think? Pretty ironic. Santa wants to go scuba diving. So his own faith kills... Well, doesn't kill him, but it brings him to the brink of death. And at right. the end, we and, see and, him... And, and, <coughs> I was going to say, we talk about this last episode, but this is this whole uh, secularism versus religion. Mm-hmm. And last episode, what we assumed was... That religion, not necessarily that religion trumped, um, you know, secularism. But in this episode, we see that Santa is killing religion in that in that sequence. At least that's how I kind of saw it. I agree, and I think that also, in a way, you have to see it as the Monsignor's reli- like religion or his false devoutness coming back to kick him in the ass. You know, right, right. Yeah, I mean, he he, he prides himself on his religion. Yet he aspires to much more, which is his, uh, in the end, it's what kills him. And he had wanted to believe so badly that he was redeeming Santa or something when he was really this icon of evil. And it just kind of went to show how he was willing to turn the blind eye for his own ambitions. And yeah, it came back to screw him. So 
he gets crucified, which I guess is the ultimate irony. Right, which is crazy. So that last scene, that was him on the on the cross, nailed into the cross, right? Mm-hmm. And we see him nailed to the cross, which creepy, creepy that was scene. Creepy. It was, and he kind of looks like he could be a Jesus figure, <laughs> um, very thin. And I mean, clearly that was the point, right? <laughs> yeah, it was. I don't, I don't know. That was very dark, very dark. And I don't know if we're supposed to see that as like the death of religion here when the angel of death comes in to kiss him or whatever. It reminded she... me of Scream Two. <laughs> I don't know, this, this is weird, but Scream Two when Sydney's boyfriend gets pinned to the cross or or he he gets basically somewhat crucified on the cross at at this play, and Sydney comes in and she sees her boyfriend up on there and. It's supposed to signify something, yet I feel like, at least for the Monsignor, I, I feel like that wasn't earned yet, right? Because I don't care enough about him. I feel like that was more a statement on whatever the writers wanted to make about right. religion and secularism. I feel like the Monsignor so far is not a very deep character. Right. I, you know, Very two-dimensional. Yeah, I don't feel like I I, I, I haven't... I don't empathize with him at all. I think he's kind of an right. ass. Yeah. Um, but you don't really, like, you know, obviously we have so much backstory for Jude and we care about her so much. And even Arden a little bit, we don't care for him, but we certainly have enough backstory. But we know what's up that with him. Exactly. That, we know, that we know he's complicated. Exactly. But the Monsignor definitely seems, yeah, he doesn't have a, a whole lot going on as far as personality and stuff goes. Um, but, okay, so the angel of death comes and we assume he's going to kill him. But... In the promos for the next episode, the Monsignor is there. He's there. Well, yeah, we see Angel of Death coming up. And I'm like, oh, what's up, girl? She's back. And then we cut. So what do you think about the next, the upcoming episode? Well, I mean, so obviously we're waiting until January 2nd until we see. This is our... Which is not that far away. I thought it would be a lot farther away. I apologize right. to every one of our listeners who I last, last week I was like, it's over. <laughs> well, I mean, we do have a good, like, what, two or three weeks or something. So we have to wait a little while to get our right. um, but story back. When but you're happens, right. It's... We only have four episodes after that, which is crazy. Right. So we have, um, yeah, which is, it is crazy that we only have four episodes left. And there's a lot of stuff that needs to be tied up. But the Monsignor is back. So I don't know if he's not supposed to. I, I assume he survives that it looked like he had bandages on his hands right and so i wonder what his purpose is now maybe eunice saves him maybe he eunice saves like the devil saves him and so he becomes a servant of eunice. Of, uh, of her right just like arden is right, right. and so she's just going to collect these people and i'm assuming she's gonna now that she saved threads and maybe she'll have her him under her thumb as well and she'll have like these arm this army of evil dudes to basically face Lana Kit and Jude. Um, so I think that's kind of going to be with the sides we see going through. And I think the big, the two big personalities battling are Eunice and Jude. I think that's like our big showdown here. And everyone else is just kind of on, you're either on Team Jude or on Team Eunice pretty much. Right. I agree. All right. Tell me what you're, what you, what would you rate this episode? Obviously, there's a lot of cliffhangers going on here. Um, but I thought this was a really good episode. I think it was probably one of the better ones. Well, I, I think I like, I liked last week, I think better than you did, if I remember correctly. You did, um, you did. Um, I thought that was, 
I thought there was a lot of fun stuff going on in that one. But I do think this was a very good episode. I think there was a lot of really good scenes. I still think that I think the best episode of the season we so far we've deemed I am and Frank part two. I agree. Um, yep. And I th- I don't think it beats that. I think that it stands as just because that episode not only did it reveal so much about the characters, but it was just so well done cinematically that we haven't really seen anything like that since then. Um, but I, this was a great episode. Um, I will. I'm gonna give it four out of five rubber men. I think. I think that's a pretty fair score. Um, it was good in my book, but not great. There was definitely moments that were shook. I mean, kind of shook me to the core, like the one where she was using the the coat hanger. Right. How about you? Right. I agree. I and I, I I will echo your score. I definitely. I think I give it four out of five. Which I mean, that's that's a damn good score. That's a good score. I mean, it was a great episode, especially going in with the cliffhangers for to leave us on the cliffhanger for uh, like three or four weeks or whatever it is. It, they did a great job. And in the storyline, the fact that they kept Santa around, at first I was a little disappointed, but then I was like, man, he is so good. Ian McShane. Is it Ian mm-hmm. McShane? That's right. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. I I want him around a little bit longer. I I kind of wish we we learned about him a little bit earlier, to be honest. But for for the time being, he's a great character, and like let's keep him around. Definitely four out of five. So good, so creepy. Uh, I agree with you. I think that he's he's a, a great asset. Um, so let's talk for a minute. Okay, so like we said, next episode, January second, we're gonna have Eunice versus Jude battle. We have Monsignor lives. Uh, we're, I'm sure we're gonna find out more about Grace's baby. Um, well, I mean, so, it's, it's basically like we're going to find out what the alien situation is. So, so what you, I was going to say is let's talk cliffhangers here because yeah. there's a whole bunch of them. And let's talk about each kind of thread real quick. So cliffhanger one is the aliens, which I guess we're going to kind of learn through Grace's baby. So wouldn't you kind of say that's kind of cliffhanger one cliffhanger right there? Absolutely. Yeah, that is definitely the, the top of my mind was like, OK, we're finally going to get into this alien situation. Cliffhanger 2 is what's going to happen between Jude and Lana. Um, how are they going to team up? What are they going to do in the next episode? How are they going to combat Eunice and Threadson? I think they're besties. I think they're besties. I think that's what's going to happen going forward, too. I think that Jude's She's smashing already apologized, Dominique right? symbolized mm-hmm. I think that, that's, that we're moving forward as a team from now on. I think 3, we're going to find out where the hell Threadson went. Uh, what he's doing. And I, I mean, I guess 4 would be Monsignor. And how he recovers from his wounds. Um, I think five is what the hell else are we going to do with uh, BF Jr., which would be Bloodyface Jr. <laughs> BFJ. Um, I can't imagine that we're done with him. And so it'll be, I don't know, interesting to see. So what is that? Five, I think we said so far, loose ends? That's five. Am I missing anything? Uh, is Kid alive? What's going on with it? How's he going to react to everything? I guess it's another kind of loose end. Do we care? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's an excellent question. I think everyone should should think about that a little bit. How much more do we care? Even that that is, I mean, I I know that a lot of a lot of you listeners like email in about like theories and stuff. But one thing we really want to know, like, I mean, do you really care about Kit at this point? You know, I, we all want to, at least Tyler and I do, we want to care about him. And last episode, we, we started to care about him because they gave us a reason to. But here, he's like, yeah, kill me. I'm down. What else? It's like, well, okay, no, I don't care about you, Kate. You, you don't give a shit. 
this is I'm going to do something interesting. We'll do this again at the end of the season, but I just kind of want to get a lightning opinion from you on these things. I'm going to give you um, characters from last season and this season, and they're two Ooh. characters, and I want you to tell me who you think is more interesting. I'm going to start with, um, okay, so Sarah Paulson was obviously Lana and the this, psychic, and the psychic in last season. So you, you am I answering this? Right now? Just answer it right off the top of your head. Oh, what, what would you go I, I clearly care about Lana. Clearly Lana. Clearly Lana is that's, that's amazing. <laughs> she is the... Lana and Jude are my girls in this episode. Those one, or this season. These are the only two people I care about. That's a softball. Okay, Eunice versus the doctor's wife who lost her baby last season. Oh, I'm loving Eunice just because she's so exciting. Eunice I agree. is awesome. I agree. Okay, Francis Conroy, who plays the Angel of Death, versus the creepy maid from last season. Oh, damn it! Good one, good one, good one, good one, good one. I've got to go with I've got to go with creepy maid. I think that she I, I agree. Seen. I agree. I, ha- I have not seen enough of the Angel of Death this season, but um, I love Francis Conroy. I love Six Feet Under, and I think definitely the maid. She was better as the maid so far. Okay, so now I'm going to get to a couple harder ones. So you're going to have to, okay. But I'm going to uh, see these two. Don't put this all on me. No, no I, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give, I'm giving my feedback too. So okay. next, Dylan McDermott. Are you going to go, I mean, obviously we haven't seen that much of him so far. Right. Bloody Face Jr. or Ben Harmon? Well, Ben Harmon sucked balls. So. <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> Bloody Face Jr. is way more fucking awesome for him. <laughs> I <It's>, agree. <laughs> he's normally like the pretty boy and everything. So it's great to see him as like a... A tattooed up, possibly drugged out serial killer. I'm loving it. I think that it's awesome. I want to see more Bloody Face Jr. Yeah. BFJ is pretty tight. Okay. Um, who else? Okay, so I think um, next. Kit versus Tate. Uh, Kit only by a little bit because Tate's was just kind of an ass. Oh, I gotta go, Tate. I think t- I I wasn't I don't like Tate necessarily, but I thought he was a, a more interesting character, and uh, I don't know. Kit's just been such a pansy recently. <laughs> I'd like to see more. Kit, it um, was yeah, you're right. Damn it, Kit has been a pansy. I gotta go, Tate. I gotta go, Tate. And um, is I think okay. This is good. This is this is the hardest one. It's Jude versus um. What was her? Constance. Oh, damn it. Oh, that's so hard. Uh, I will say character-wise, Jude has gone through a whole lot more than Constance did. Constance went through her whole thing off, off, off screen. Like, she handled that, like, before the season started. Mm-hmm. But with uh, what, what with Jude now, seeing her go through it and the whole sequence, uh, I don't know. Like, I mean, basically it comes to personal taste. Like, who would you relate to more? Who do you care about more? Right? Right. And I think that uh, in that vein, I'm going to say Jude. And I love Constance. Do not get me wrong. I think that she was an incredible character. But I love the fact that they made... Jessica Lang, our heroine for this season, and then she's become such a strong character after she's gone through so much shit, and that she still ba- she bounces back. And I'm hoping so much that we have seen her hit rock bottom, and now she's going to be a badass. That's I'm hoping true. for that so bad. And so I think I'm going to go Jude because she's been so so much fun this season. Because we basically. went through, we went with, we we were there with her through the whole process, as opposed to Constance, who went through the process in the past. And, and I'm forget, 
Exactly, and I'm forgetting. Obviously, are we gonna go Chad Warwick or Doctor Threadson? Oh yeah, oh Threadson. Oh, oh. Thre- Threadson is a far more difficult role as far as the creepy mother scenes he had to do in the basement. Yeah. I think as far as acting goes, Zachary Quinto has been terrifying this season. True. Far more terrifying than Chad was. I clearly <laughs> like his character more as Chad, but as an actor, definitely the season's been much better. I I mean, I for me, that's been the most compelling storyline has been yeah. the Lana, thre- you know, Lana bloody faced storyline. Yeah, we should so. do like a uh, 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 um, damn it, blog post. A, well, yeah, blog post, but uh, uh, um, uh, a poll, a poll, or a something. poll. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Sorry, a poll on what everyone else thinks because I'm curious. Because I, I feel like we're, I feel like I'm always on the on I'm the fringe on this, but. I agree, I agree. We should throw up a poll and see what everybody else thinks. And I mean, always send us your comments. Send us your own comments on this stuff. Please. Um, send it to thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com. Send it, or, you know, post it on This American Horror Story Podcast at Facebook. Um, and as always, please uh, go and give us reviews on iTunes. We really appreciate that. Um, give, give us however many stars you want. Lend a, throw up a comment. Give us some... Uh, constructive criticism we always appreciate that those are the best we need those yeah and in addition to those places you can find us at uh, thisamericanhorrorstory.com and as always you can find me Tyler Moss at TJMoss11 on Twitter during the week where can people find and you Chris I am on Twitter as well I am at Chris you say that's Chris with a K Chris with a K everybody <laughs> bye bye <laughs> So, I think that's a wrap-up for this week. Um, we may do a kind of a bonus episode thing if we can throw think of something to, to put up between now and January 2nd. But that, like Chris said, that's not too far away. So, uh, we look forward to talking to you all then. Um, Grab your glasses of bourbon and join us, please. Please do. Cheers. And um, I guess that's happy hauntings. Bye, everyone. Later party people. Dominique, nique, nique, s'en allait tout simplement. Routier, pauvre et chantant. En tout chemin, en tout lieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu.